hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Sucker Time. The number one comedy podcast about comedy. Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast podcaster, Mark Yes, well, believe it or not, it is me, Mark Hershon. I'm back from the dead, or the nearly dead, or at least the severely laryngitist. Is that a thing, laryngitist? Anyway, my throat and voice box, they were down for the count with a rather nasty virus. And I'm still playing a little hurt. I, maybe you can hear it, I don't know. But I'm finally ready, I think, to muscle through with Epi 62 of Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. We are diving into clips this episode with some new shows, some old favorites, got a new Henderson's Pants ad, and I have an unprecedented triple shot of Bursto Durst because we got so far behind. And we actually had someone click the donate button on the SuckatashShow.com website, finally! It's been over a year since anyone's touched it, but it's happened, and I'm going to reveal who and give him a big old wet sloppy thank you in the tweet sack this episode. But before I go any further, I'm embarrassed that now I'm the one who's fallen behind and talking about my friends over at the Chill Pack Hollywood Hour. Normally, of course, I'm talking about Dean Haglin and Phil Ernest, the conjoined twins who host the show. But this past week, Phil was laid low by illness. Probably caught it from me when we went to watch Star Trek Into Darkness when I was in L.A. a couple weeks ago. And so for the first time ever, Dean partnered up with a guest host, none other than the ultra-talented actress and Phil's better half, Lily Hollerman. You could say she filled in. Get it? No? Yes? Yes, Mark, we got it. We got it. Would you please just move on? Okay, well, anyway, Lily and Dean were kind enough to keep the mention ball rolling along. Were you up in San Francisco? I was not. Oh, no. Did you see Mark Hershon while he was in town? No. That's what it was. That's what it was. He came down here, and I did not see him. Oh. I know. He didn't even... He, if he tweeted, I, I didn't read it. I feel bad. Well, we love the Mark Hershon. <laughs> yes, we do. From Succotash. I had a good time with him while he was in town. They went to Star Trek into darkness they did they went on a little date what and how come i wasn't invited on that well, it's a dga two only company. oh that so thing he saw the free screening romantic <laughs> <laughs> hmm yeah i see what's going on so we love the mark hershon absolutely the, uh, suck a tash yes the suck a tash show. The comedy podcast podcast do remember to check out your chill pack hollywood hour every monday practically without fail. It's on iTunes, Stitcher, the Talk Superstation, supposedly Jackalope Radio, and from the home site at chillpackhollywood.com. The 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast List. I wonder what kind of action's been going on in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcasts. Let's grab a peek, shall we? At 39... My Brother, My Brother and Me, up 31 places. At 51, The Naughty Show is up 20 places. At 63, Too Beautiful to Live with Luke Burbank, down 23. At 69, The Dead Authors Podcast is up 41. At 82, Cashing In with T.J. Miller, down 21 places. At 84, Rollin' with Dice and Wheels, down 37. And at 85, Tom Rhodes Radio, 
up 283 places this last week. At 91, This Week in Blackness Radio, down 24. At 97, the New York City Crime Report with Pat Dixon is up 18 places. And finally, at 99, Answer Me This, podcast is down 24. The 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast List. So as I mentioned, Tom Rhodes Radio, up 283 places. So why don't we play a clip from that? Um, Tom Rhodes is one of those veteran stand-up comedians. He's traveled the world literally, performing and sometimes not performing comedy. He uh, sometimes just travels about and talks to folks. Uh, At one point, he had made the San Francisco comedy scene his hang. But since then, he's been around quite a few other comedy scenes. Podcasting is the latest, however, and he's been quietly dropping episodes since 2011, and this week makes that mighty leap up into the top 100 on Stitcher. Uh, Good going, Tom. The latest show is with guest Andy Kindler, who Succotashians may remember graced our mics back in Epi 55. Here, Tom gets into Andy's State of the Industry address, which he's been doing every year at the Just for Last Festival in Montreal. You seem like a guy that's. Uh, some people are very afraid of your opinion because you're um, so critical of comedy. I mean, when did the state of the industry thing start? I mean, I, I was. I think my first Montreal was like '95. I think you had to. That's where I started. It must I, have been. I, mean, I know I must have seen one of your first ones. Ninety. My first year, in my, uh, and this is unbelievable because you were twelve when you first yeah. were there, and uh, I was fourteen. <laughs> And so, um, so I I first went there in '93, and then I went back in '95. And uh, what happened was that I gave a speech in '95. That that was I gave a demonstration of hack comedy because I had written an article for National Lampoon called Hack's Handbook, and uh, it's still on my website for people. And by the way, my website never changes. A lot of people. A lot of people update their website. No, I mean, a lot of people get you, you still have your dates from 2001 up there. Exactly. And a lot of people, life is so uh, upsetting now, and you can't count on anything. I feel like my website is something you can count on. <laughs> it's not a constant. It, it may outlast your parents. You can, you can count on it. So I uh, I wrote this article, How to Be a Comic, and then I dem- did a demonstration of it in Montreal, and then... It was Bruce Hills, who was the head of the festival, said, well, why don't you come back and do a speech every year? Not every year. It was like one, I mean, who never would have known it would have lasted this long. It was just like that next year. And, uh, and my, my manager, Bruce Smith, he came up with the name, Stay in the Industry. So. I remember watching it and thinking, man, this is really um, dangerous. And uh, you might be creating enemies because you went up there and, you know, it was a litany of... I think I have of, created of, a litany. That's what I was going to say. I mean, how many people have you... Uh, pissed off, and and how much of a problem has it been? Well, I, um, I mean, I have this joke where I say that uh, at this point, like you know, like at this point, what could I do now that could be? Well, well why I've already caused all the damage. Where the you've already shit on everybody. Yeah, what are the people who aren't calling me going to not call me even more? <laughs> well, that guy really isn't using me. Um, no, it definitely did. It, I mean, there, it, there are different levels of it because sometimes. Like, one thing that actually cracked me up was, I don't know if you remember Michael Davies? Mm-mm. He was like a development executive. He ended up being the EP on um, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? 
but he did this, uh, uh, he worked at Disney for a while when Michael Ovitz was there. And I, there was an article about me in the LA Times where I was uh, saying, I'm sick of hearing about Michael Ovitz, Michael Ovitz, Michael Ovitz. Yeah, I, I love him. I have all his albums. He's so good. So my whole thing was like, why were you spending so much time talking about this guy who's like a, just like a wheeler dealer? And uh, Michael Davies said that he was at a meeting at Disney and someone was kind of kissing Michael Ovitz's ass. And, and Michael Ovitz said to him, yeah, yeah, I know you're a big fan. You have all my albums. So, the, so there was a guy who was, you know, was confident enough in his own ego uh, or his own sense of himself that he was able to listen to what I said and take it as a roast type joke and not let it get in. So it really just, that was interesting to me. But a lot of times it just depends on whose skin it is that you're going up against. Because like someone like Leno, he's so thin-skinned. I'm surprised yeah. that you didn't screw your career by uh, by that. You know? Well, many people would say, what career, Tom Rhodes? <laughs> He's got a great backlog of interviews, and you can hit the roads at allthingscomedy.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Now, although I didn't get this episode dropped last week, I did check the Stitcher Top 100 back then, a whole week ago, and one show I've been seeing caught my eye. It didn't have significant movement this week, so it's not on our list, but I still wanted to explore it. Um, you've heard me mention it. It's Phoebe, the Spodcast show, F-E, little a, B, and uh, I, I finally listened to enough of the show to find out two things. Phoebe stands for four eyes and beard, which are, are indicative of the two hosts, Matt Myra, who's also part of the Nerdist with Chris Hardwick, and Scott Mosier, who partners with Kevin Smith on the original Smodcast. Now, I'm not sure, but I think the Smodcast Network are slowly taking over all of podcasting. They become like the Borg of the Internet. Uh, we did a Smod in Orlando, and we were at um, <clears throat> Universal, so nice. we got to go on the Harry Potter ride. I don't fit on the Harry Potter ride. Really? Well, yeah, like it won't, like for some reason, my shoulders, it won't come down all the way. And they have like the seats you can test outside of the, uh, before you go into line, you can. Oh, they the have like a to just sure. to see. Yeah, and if you get a green light, good. If you don't, then I didn't. <laughs> Which I feel like really eliminating a lot of Harry Potter fans <laughs> if someone my size is not getting on it. It's like, this does not help me believe in magic <laughs> at all. <laughs> Not that I'm a fan. I just, you know. I you just, hate magic. I don't care for it. Although I am interested to see this new magic movie that's coming out. Uh, but that's magic magic. Or you don't like, you don't, do, well, do you like, like, fucking, like, Penn and Teller? Like, do you, do you I hate? I like Penn and Teller, but, but there are magicians that I cannot stand and loathe. Like, I would put them up there with Clamato juice. Like, what's his name? Uh, who's Lance the fucking guy? Uh, I don't know who that is. My least favorite magician. <laughs> I don't know who that is. What about uh, who's the guy um, who made who Claudia Schiffer and David then he got caught in his storage? Didn't David. somebody get caught in his storage unit? No, there was like some rape charge or something like that that was found to be completely false. Okay, so he wasn't still, there someone with a storage okay. unit? Wasn't he bankrupt and he was like hiding in his storage unit or no. masturbating like a monkey in his <laughs> no, storage? No, he, <laughs> he does have a uh, an impressive warehouse. He was also one of the guys that owned one of the Honus Wagner cards. Oh, okay. Baseball card. That's the most valuable baseball card. Good for him. Yeah, and like so I think he and like Wayne Gretzky were co-owners or something like that of the really? baseball card because it's worth like a million dollars. Oh, okay. So him and Wayne, but they were sold like, it. Yeah. Like, hey, you want to buy this, Wayne? I think sure. So. Eh? Why not? <laughs> Does Wayne Gretzky have a thick Canadian? I don't want to own the whole thing. 
Um, who, who texted you? Why are you interrupting the show? Uh, I just I'm looking at get texts. I didn't I didn't interrupt the show. You, you did. No, I did. You I did. was trying to go off on a fucking little bit of Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> we were gonna do Wayne Gretzky and David Copperfield. <laughs> Worst. I set up that. I oh. set that up, and then you I just whiffed. Wandered I just off your phone, and you're just like, oh, yeah, I'll pick up toilet paper on the way home. That's not what it was. What I was get my it? toilet paper delivered, okay? <laughs> you do? Yeah, Amazon. Oh, really? You subscribe and save. <laughs> wow. That's the, yeah, name. That's, that's the name of it. Subscribe and save. Or so I get like, like a thing, a big thing of toilet paper delivered every three months. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's great. just and, comes. And you don't have to think about it. Have you found that you've judged well how yep. much toilet paper you need? Yep, I had to adjust because it was once every two months, or and it wasn't enough. Days. No, no, that was too many. That was too many. You were just like you were like, like I, what am I going to do with all this? You're like Halloween. A, you're like an eighty year old. Yes. You're like a World War II survivor where you're just like you never know. <laughs> you can find Four Eyes and Beard or Feeb at smodcast.com. You can also drag it off of iTunes or stock it down and kill it on Stitcher Smart Radio. Live Wire, exclamation point, is a radio variety show recorded in front of an enthusiastic live audience from the Alberta Rose Theater in Northeast Portland. It airs each week around the state and in southwest Washington via Oregon Public Radio, OPB, on stations around the country and is also heard nationally and also internationally through its podcasts. It's music, it's conversation, it's sketch comedy. It's radio variety for the ADD generation, they like to say. And by the way, one of the hosts has his own podcast, which I just mentioned in our uh, uh, hot uh, top 100, uh, you know, the thing I did back then, uh, called Too Beautiful to Live with Luke Burbank. Well, Luke is one of the hosts. Uh, sorry that his show dropped 23 places, but it is still on this week's Stitcher Comedy Top 100 podcast. So take heart, Luke. Here's a sketch from Live Wire Radio about a different kind of genie. Have you found that china yet? Not yet. There's so much stuff up here. Well, hurry. My sister will be here any minute. There's just so much stuff. Okay. What is this? A bronze gravy boat? It's so dusty. I'm just... Rub- Whoa. Whoa. Who has awoken the genie from her great slumber? Uh, I'm Steve. Hi, Steve. I'm the great genie from days of old. I will grant you any three wishes. Blah, blah, blah. No wishing for more wishes. You know the drill. Now choose carefully. Uh, I don't need to think about this at all. I know exactly what I want. I want to be able to fly. (laughs) Okay, what did I just say? Choose carefully. That whole speech, it just happened. I'm sure the shock of seeing a genie is just throwing you off, so why don't you take another shot at it? I've always wanted to fly. It would be so exhilarating, soaring over the countryside, the view, the freedom. Do you think you're the first person to wish to fly? You'll hate it. Use your brain for a second and think about how exhausted you'd be flying everywhere. It's like running at full sprint the whole time. I think it would be worth it. For a week, sure. After that, it'd just be another kind of exercise you feel guilty for not doing. I guess, but... Do you know how cold it is up there? Well, I... You have never... to wear a parka or you'll freeze to death, but you're still sweating. I mean, why do you think birds are such jerks? 
Freezing sweat, that's why. I never thought... And not to mention how brittle your bones would be on account of them being hollow. You're basically wishing for osteoporosis. Okay, 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 okay. okay. No flight. Um, You know, I've I've always thought it would be cool if I could turn invisible. Oh, God. What? What's wrong with invisibility? Nothing, except you have to be naked for it to work. That's not such a big deal. You can't wear glasses. I can see fine without my glasses. And we can see your food digesting. Gross. Yeah, it's only visible once it's part of your body. So for 23 hours, people can see it slowly digesting. What? Wait, where did Steve go? All I see is this sandwich goo floating at waist high. All right, How about, like, a billion dollars? I'd I'd enjoy being rich. Oh, come on. What's wrong with money? Don't you think the IRS would be interested in how you got a billion dollars? You think they'll believe a genie in a gravy boat gave it to you? Jeez. Eternal life? How miserable are you now? Imagine that times a thousand. The world ends and you're just floating in the sun. Super strength? Enjoy helping everybody move. Just get ready for that. Man. You are super depressing. What happened to you? It's like living for a thousand years beside the pastry case at Starbucks. All you see is people making decisions you know they'll regret. So nobody is ever happier after they get three wishes? Not one. Well, what should I do? Honestly? Yeah. You should wish for somebody you hate to find me. Huh. Not a bad idea. Got somebody in mind? Honey, I bet this bronze gravy boat would make a great present for your sister. Honey, Stephen, she'll be here any second, okay? She'll love this. She likes ugly stuff, so just grab it and let's go meet her. This is going to be perfect. That's Trisha Ferguson, Andrew Harris, and Paul Glazer. That sounds like a great show to catch live. I love that live audience feel. But if you've got to grab the podcast, find them at their home site, livewireradio.org, or on iTunes or Stitcher, or on SoundCloud. How about that? I'm Dylan Brody. You're listening to Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast. Do something else. Now, comedian Pablo Francisco has joined up with the ever-growing Sideshow Network to enter the roles of comics with podcasts. Here he takes a look at someone with a lot of fame and fortune that also recently revealed that he has spent millions on blow. All right, Pablo, our first story is uh, a cool one. Uh, Aerosmith uh, just had a press conference. They are going back out on tour, but the biggest thing that came out of this press conference is Steven Tyler mm-hmm. has said he's used $5 million in cocaine in his lifetime. What? Five, five million bucks? Five million dollars. Five million dollars. Right at five million. It's going to go over. Okay. <laughs> Who's his accountant? Five million. That, so that was, a, that was a press card. That, I do five million dollars of cocaine that <laughs> went up my nose. All right. And come see our tour. Okay. Okay. Cool. Well, at least, at least he's got five million bucks. Okay. Go on. I can't believe that. Right. Five million dollars worth of coke. You're trying to think to yourself. You know, you're going, he, he never misses a show, so he's a good could you know he's a functioning addict he's a good cokehead he's a, he's a good cokehead <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's, he's just wearing the same clothes all the time all right there you go but he's tight it'll be funny if he was tight with his coke hey man don't do it all you know? who's his accountant all right tony yeah. montana all right let me tell you something right okay you get the real estate that's what you got hey man like i'm gonna keep on doing all the way more that's how he snores <laughs> 
okay. So. <laughs> yeah, well, what are you going to do with all that cocaine? I mean, how much is that? What, what's, uh, what's a conversation like between Charlie Sheen and Steven Tyler? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the two kids are, yeah, man. Two hours later. Yeah, yeah man. The next day. Yeah, man. Okay, man. What was that? Okay, man. Okay, yeah, dude. Look, look, look. Two kids, a little fat kid. Whatever the hell it is. All right. Uh, we said, um, it, with that much cocaine, you, you're using it for everyday items. Uh, your light bulb went out. Hey, just rub some coke on it. Hey, there you go, man. Put some coke. During sex, man, you stick it in the lady's vagina, man. Makes it nice and numb. Well, no, you want her to feel it. You know, don't you want her to feel it? Hey, hey, you like that, huh? When she's on the phone. Hey, you like that? Put some coke on your pussy. Hey, hey, what, what are you doing? Stick it in. It is in, baby. What's, what's the deal with that? I'm sticking in there or, you know, usually uh, you got to really think about it. It's like, uh, you know, for, for it has its stages, you know. I'm gonna put it, I'm gonna put, first I put it on my thumb, okay? He's numb. Okay, oh, I'm going to put it, you know, some people put it in their drink. It was back in the day, what, 1940s? They put it in, in candies or something like that. But and you brush your teeth with it. I'm all numb, man. What's the deal, man? Put a little cavity. So what's so... Yeah, what is he uh, doing with all that coke? I, I don't know. At that point, you might even decorate your house. Hey, <laughs> any, you see my keys? Uh, did you check under the coke? Don't doubt it. He's got a pool table with nothing but eight balls. Yeah, that's right, man. Let's play a game of eight balls. All right. <laughs> all right, man. Up this nostril. He has a brass straw. Who knows what he has with that? It's a little flute. Hey, man, give me that flute real quick. Okay, so there you go. I was using it for everyday life. It's baking soda. Uh, it's it's a powder. That's right. Walgreens. He's making snow angels. There you go. <laughs> I'm alone. I'm not alone about the face tonight. Holy smoke. No, no, would it... With uh, with with that much cocaine, uh, what do I put in the pool you're, or what? You're, you're, when you spend five million dollars in cocaine, your whole world has to revolve around it cocaine. Revolves around cocaine. More Pablo Francisco is yours over at sideshownetwork.com, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Next up in the ninth in our series of clips from podcast hosted by a Jew and a dwarf. Actually, I think Adam Ray and Brad Williams have a lock on that one. They're 55 episodes in and going strong with their About Last Night podcast. Both are comedians. Both are irreverent. Adam Ray's also in that new movie, The Heat, that just opened. And their guest this episode is pop culture TV show host Michael Ho, who also got to interview President Obama after the last election's disastrous First debate. Good. You're good. Yeah, I interviewed Barack Obama, and yeah, I dude. haven't interviewed Denzel Washington. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that was nuts Which, when I interviewed him. By the way, uh, I don't know if you heard this. Uh, my dad is a huge Fox News guy. Watches, oh, yeah. Watches Fox News 24-7, and he's calling me up like, would you believe Obama just did an interview with some pop radio station? Yeah, like, yeah. he's got the time, and then, like, I'm over at the house. And he's got the time to watch American Idol. The whole thing was about yeah, American Idol. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, the first question you asked him, and he was like, well, I think uh, Nicki Minaj making an eyes. Dude, she's not. No, but, mean, a- but, but the thing is, is, like, I wanted to, because people forget, I got so many hate emails from that because oh, people man. are like well it's a pop culture you should ask them about politics so i was like i'm not a, poli- I'm no, not dude, a politician that's not what you're gonna do. so my first question this was right after the debate where he got his ass kicked oh, the first one so i right. said yeah. look there's a big elephant in the room and we need to clear this up do you think Nicki minaj and mariah carey can yeah. get along so i set him <laughs> yeah. up and he started laughing and he yeah. answered it and it went 
viral. It was all Fox News covered it. Was it was everywhere because my dad's yelling at me like, who is this idiot? And I go, that's Michael Yo. That's my buddy. <laughs> that's that idiot Michael yeah, Yo. That, that, that's my boy Michael Yo. He's yeah, because everybody, everybody was like, yo, you just got your ass handed to you in the debate. Why are you now trying – why are you concerned with pop culture at this point? But well, it's like, hey, Because man, I asked him, what is he going to say? I'm not going to comment? Yeah. Also, what are you going to be the thousand, uh, thousandth person to ask him about the debate? But like, you know what? If you go – if everybody went into the interview, my second question was about the debate. It oh, was yeah. a very direct question. Yeah. Not even interrupted him when he started giving me copy points. So I wanted to start off fun, but then sure. get really into some real questions. Yeah, you, have, yeah, you know what you're doing. So, yeah, man. Now, how so, do you figure that out? Like, is, I mean, Can I tell you it was my dad's idea for the question? No kidding. Yeah, we were yeah. at lunch, and my parents never get excited about anything. But my dad was like, oh, shoot, you better hurry up. We, we, we got to interview Obama. I was like, we? What are you talking about? That's <laughs> awesome. Like, yeah, we got to interview awesome. Obama. He said, I'm like, coming out. My boy. Yeah. Yeah. I made you, motherfucker. You yeah. think I'm going to come up with a question? He was so proud of that boy. He's like, oh, boy, we got to interview Obama. And then I was like, I don't know what to ask him the first question. He said, I'll tell you what he need to fix is that Nicki Minaj and Mariah Carey fight. That'd be funny if he could fix that. <laughs> and I was like, that's a great question. Yeah. That's a great setup question. And then now, now every time I talk to my dad, he's like, you know, I made headlines with that question, right? <laughs> that was all me. That was all me. I love your dad. Jesus. No, he's awesome. My dad, you know, he's so smart. And I mean, my mom is awesome too, but they are amazing together because all they do is play fight all the time, and That's they're awesome. so witty back and so forth. So you get all of your – I mean, you get your comedy chops. You get your, your uh, personality – being very personable and just – that's all coming from both of them? Or? Uh, my dad's not a personable guy. Well, everybody likes him once they meet him. Yeah. But mm-hmm. he's very intimidating because okay. he's very smart. You know, and smart people are intimidating. You For know, sure. like black nuclear physicist, yeah, he could you know? beat you in Jeopardy and at hoop. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> he will dunk Come on your ass. <laughs> That's so scary. And then give you a math problem on the way. I like yeah. boom. What? Like my dad. Because yeah. like normally the nerds are like ah nerds I hit you with the dodgeball. But yeah. then but then like mm. you throw, you throw a dodgeball at your dad, he catches it. Goes what motherfucker? What? Like, <laughs> what? You want some? You like my dad always told me if you ever want to sound smart, just uh, just tell everybody. Do you know what the interval of xdx is? It's x squared over 2. And I still don't know what that means to this day. No, but said, I, thought it was, I thought you were like reciting lyrics from a DMX album. No, it's some Einstein what. thing. <laughs> yeah. Some Einstein yeah. thing. Einstein, DMX, pretty easy. Pretty, pretty, pretty same. Yeah, you know? you know. yeah, it's the same thing. Same thing. Now, what? how like were you nervous as hell before the Obama interview? Like, This is the man who yes. has his finger on the button. Well, my thing about the interview wasn't I was nervous about the interview. It was it was the people around him make you so nervous before you even like. Yeah, talk you heard that guy come on. He goes, uh, "Mr. Yo, the next voice you hear will be the president." president of, and then you hear you just go, "Yeah, okay, okay." Like because <laughs> it's like the next voice because you how many you don't hear how many times they click in to warn you that like it's like for the first call is like okay. We're about to uh, wire in six lines into your phone line. And then you hear like six, five, and you hear the line. Wow. And then he's like, oh, oh, we got to break. We got to do it all over again. Because I guess they only got the three and the other three couldn't connect. So they do it again. And then every five minutes he checks in and says, okay, sir, he's about to come. You know, so they they build it up. And then right before, (laughs) like right before the part you heard, he goes, he goes, I see the boss man walking down the hall right now. Oh, I geez, see the dude. boss man walking down the hall right now. And then the next voice you hear is the president He's of in. the United States. I see his face. I can hear exactly. his pants it was moving. just like that. And right, then, and right then your dick goes from black to Asian. Dude, hey, like, oh. <laughs> I go, ha. There's more about last night waiting for you at GoCastNetwork.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and Ustream as well. Proudly Resents is Adam Spiegelman's podcast where he and assorted friends like to take movies apart at the seams. Sometimes old movies, sometimes new movies, and in the case of one recent episode, kids' movies. 
Specifically, Adam invites a friend over with her kids to talk about what they thought of two kids' movies, A Talking Cat and Tom and the Cool Mule. Kids make great reviewers, you know, because they pretty much always tell the truth. Have you seen a cat talk before? No, I know. No, do you? You have? Uh, yeah, he talked. In the five minutes, he talked. He talked a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah, you saw. Um, I want a little pillow. Oh, look at that. Have you ever had kids on your podcast before? No. No, this is yeah. interesting. Yeah, they're doing good. Uh, what do you think of the cool mule? Do you think the mule is cool? Yeah. Oh, football, uh, and then Paul, yay. Uh, yet we, okay. yet we told, yet we told other gin and they were not happy. Oh, you just hit your head on the back then. You alright? <laughs> yeah. That's the first time someone banged Oh yeah, in the beginning they were not happy, but the end they were happy. Is that what you liked about yeah, yeah, but Yeah, yeah, but, yet we told, yet we told other gin and what, 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 Well, I asked them what they thought of the mule's voice. Oh yeah. What do you think of the way the mule sounded? Well, medium. 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 He was like, I'm going to get me some bling. Let me, you know. Are you a big iced tea fan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Not really. I'm medium iced tea. You're medium iced tea? Iced tea. Medium iced tea fan. Oh, yeah. Like his old stuff, but not the stuff with the band? Like a. Cop killer. Not, not many people like that. Uh, wait. <laughs> you more it, you don't water. You don't what do you think water. of the bad guy who fell in the pool? Do you think that was funny? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think they definitely enjoyed the guy. Yeah. Who's the actor who plays the bad guy? Yes, Kevin Sorbo. So, uh, trapped in the bathroom. <laughs> oh, by the there dog. were a lot of laughs. Did you like the trapped in the bathroom scene? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then he walked out saying, your dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> he went to the dungeon. Uh, uh, yeah, and then he, and then when he yes. came out, he said to her owner, "Your dungeon, you have." <laughs> <laughs> Did it look cool when the mule talked? Look real? Yeah. It looked real, right? What was the funny part? Uh, not really. Uh, when the giant fell in a pool. Yeah, that was funny. And what, what about the talking cat movie? That was boring. What about when they went swimming? Yeah. Wasn't there a funny fountain? Yeah, oh, yeah. What, what was that? Ah, that was a boy. Yeah. And made to be a water, peeing water. The boy was peeing water into the pool? Yeah. And it was a statue? Would you ever buy a statue of a boy peeing? Uh, I would say yes. Yeah. You would? Yeah. You would never pee. Would you ever pee in the pool? Yeah. Have you, honestly? Yeah. You have. What? Where? Here. A lot of pee. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. What? Not, Not as much fun as you thought it would be. You want to stop? You, you can yeah. stop. Okay. If you want to stop? All right. No well, problem. Thank you very much, guys. Yeah, that was, was that fun. It was fun for a little bit, right? Do you, you, you want to say anything about the movie? You want to say goodbye? You want to say bye? No. You want to sing okay. a song? You guys are great. You know Thank you, guys. This is the sound of power.
This is the sound of confidence. This is the sound of style. This is the sound of liberty. This is the sound of security. This is the sound of Henderson's pressure cooker pants. In today's world, the simple act of living your life can unexpectedly lead to serious, even lethal consequences. That's why you need Henderson's pressure cooker pants. The power of heavy-duty stainless steel plating, combined with the flexibility of airtight silicone gasket sealants, create a fit that's comfortable, stylish, and able to withstand near-field medium to moderate explosions without missing a step. Fight back! Put the power of the pressure cooker to work for you. With Henderson's DHS approval pending pressure cooker pants, slacks, and athletic wear, originally designed for executive chef assistants, marathon runners, and the military, Henderson's pressure cooker pants are available wherever fine culinary accessories and army surplus and survival gear are available. That's Henderson's cooking up the best in protective fashion wear since 1863. And now back to more of Succotash. Time for our tweet sack, where we read mail, Facebook messages, and of course tweets. If anyone cares to send them along, oh, and we also play calls that come into our Succotash hotline, like this. Hi, my name is Chris Lanuti from the Broadcast Basement on BroadcastBasement.com. We consider ourselves to be the anti-podcast podcast. A basement, a bar, many beers. It's the Broadcast Basement on BroadcastBasement.com. But right now, you're listening to Mike's favorite program, Succotash, a comedy podcast, podcast. Thanks, Chris. We have to grab a clip off your show. But in the meantime, I suggest everyone get over there and get a whiff over at BroadcastBasement.com, iTunes, Zune, Stitcher, and Podbean. Is there stuff on, on Zune still? Hmm. I had no idea. We have some notes here, mostly via Twitter. Jason over at 7 Days a Geek just rebroadcast my visit with him for his Podcasting 101 show, so thank you, Jason. John Anilio thanked us for playing his new comedy nerd song, I'll Be Your Thor, in Epi 61. And I believe you can still get a free download of that over at johnanilio.com. Thanks to Brett Hamill from the Ham Radio Podcast, who sent along a clip or a link to an old, uh, old news clip from Seattle TV that comedian Jeff Young posted that has me in it. This is from 1984, by the way, a segment they were doing on the Seattle comedy scene way back then. And I was running the Comedy Underground in Pioneer Square at the time, so there's a few seconds of yours truly blabbing away at the tender age of 23 like I actually knew anything about the business of comedy back then. With more hair than I remember having, by the way, I'll put that link up on the SuckatashShow.com blog for this episode if you want to check it out. And thanks so much for the painful memories, Brett. Davian Dent from the Bitter Sound Podcast and from the Strange Time Podcast shot me a note on Skype the other day asking if I would wear one of his t-shirts if he'd send it along and post the picture on our website. Well, duh. Anyone with a podcast and a t-shirt of some other or some other merch who wants to give me freebies or payola, as it used to be called in the days of terrestrial radio, I will give you not only a shout-out, but a posted pic of me wearing your garb 
on our website. Just shoot, shoot me a note at mark, M-A-R-C, at succotashshow.com, and I will give you a mailing address to send me your merch. Congrats to Monica Homburg and Bill Allman for hitting their Epi 100 with their Dazed and Confused podcast. I even reviewed it last week for This Week in Comedy podcast, so check that out. Now here's a list of some of the fine folks who've retweeted, favorite, or favorited, or mentioned us favorably the past few weeks in the Twit stream. Stand Up Chronic, Owly Mole, Katie Crawfordery, Man School Show, Soda Pop Talk, Mosno Music, Ben P, Sir Daryl, Monkey Designs, Double Special, Guy Blow, Nerds and Beer. Caleb Eats Bacon, Sir Chris Miller, Eric Furness, Tyson Saner, Ben Above Music, Fuzz Aldrin, Nug13, and Paige Commons. And of course, I would be remiss if I didn't take a moment to thank the folks who are generous and kind enough to get over to our home site at SuckatashShow.com and click on the donate button. So extra special thanks this week go out to... Gerald Welchman of the Inverse Delirium Podcast, who not only made a very nice donation to the cause, but called the Succotash Hotline to say howdy as well. Hey, this is Jeffrey Welchman from the Inverse Delirium Podcast over in Baltimore calling uh, the Succotash, the comedy podcast, podcast, podcast uh, show, uh, because I'm driving and listening to Mark driving and talking into his digital recorder. 61.5 is the webisode. And uh, you know what? I just want everybody to support Succotash like I did today. Hit that donate button. For all the times that uh, Mark has played a clip for your show or a promo for your show, I mean, he is a booster, man. He's, He's out there, like, really, you know, making us all shine, giving us a chance to spread the word about our lonely little podcast. So um, so go out there, hit that donate button at Succotash.com, and you're listening to Succotash. The only fly in the ointment is that I hate Succotash, because I can't stand the line of it. But I love Mark Hershon, and I love Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast. Thanks again so much, Gerald. We really appreciate the support. And uh, if you want to be appreciated as well, Get on up to SuckatashShow.com, click that donate button, and uh, every little bit you give us helps to offset the cost of production, uh, which is um, not as not pricey as you might think, if that's even a way to say that. <laughs> that empties out our tweet sack for this episode. If you want me to read something, just email me at mark at SuckatashShow.com or retweet one of our Suckatash Show tweets or DM me there or leave a note on our Suckatash page on Facebook. So many ways to get a hold of us, and yet hardly anybody ever does. Oh, by the way, you can also call that Succotash hotline at 818-921-7212. It's not a free call, but calls are pretty cheap these days, right? That number again, 818-921-7212. We've got a few more clips and a special Burst O'Durst triple shot coming up. But first, I want to play the first episode of a podcast miniseries that Jabs from the D-Head Factor in Australia put together. Called Boganwood, it's a great example of how you can push your own parameters and boundaries in this podcast medium. I'm playing this first episode as a prelude to a kind of featurette on the Boganwood series I'm going to do over the next eight episodes, including this one, where I will talk to Jabs about the series, how it came to him, what it's all about, and then I'll play the next episode in the series. 
No jabs this time, but here's episode one of Boganwood just to wet your whistle. Welcome to Boganwood, Canberra, Australia's forgotten suburb. In today's adventure, we introduce you to enjoying Sheila as she wakes early so she can claim what is rightfully hers, her doll check. Now, Sheila is a classy woman and doesn't like to be called a doll bludger. She works very hard to make ends meet, and today would not be any different. Even in Boganwood, Canberra's forgotten suburb, nothing is free. Sheila couldn't believe her luck that today was doll day. She had survived the week and had accomplished exactly what she had set out to do. She stared at the last ciggy and drew back carefully, enjoying each moment of the smoke infecting her lungs with pure bliss. She had just taken her morning wake-up bong hit, and the day was looking mellow. It was 11am and she could hear the other occupants on the street slowly rising from their slumbers, ready to walk out to check the mailbox as today was dull day. In the distance, a motorcycle could be heard, working its ways up the street. Sheila slowly moved her way to the door, grabbing her trackies on the way, as she didn't want to appear lower class in front of the neighbours. Dingo was nowhere to be seen, but by the intern pockets on her trackies, she could tell that he was already up and ready for his day of work. He was a working man now, and Sheila was proud of him, as he now had been able to hold down a part-time job for a record of two weeks, which again was a milestone, and the job paid in cash in hand, which allowed the doll payments to continue. Sheila sniffed her trackies to ensure they didn't smell bad and was pleasantly greeted by the aroma of bong water and goon juice, bringing back the memories of the night before. Night times in Boganwood were a hive of activity and although the telly hadn't worked for a matter of months now, not that it mattered, Sheila, Dingo and Bricko had found a barrel and borrowed some milk crates from the local, setting up a pleasant night of drinking goon and talking about the good old times around a fire. Last night, Dingo have relayed the story about their attempt to cash in on the government initiative, the baby bonus. So Sheila and I were down at the local uh, Centrelink office waiting for our monthly interview to see what job we, we was looking at doing and stuff, Dingo said with excitement. Rico rolled his eyes as this is not the first time he heard the story and it became more and more elaborate as the retelling occurred. What Dingo kept forgetting to mention was that Bricko was the person who had actually told him about the baby bonus scheme. And this bloke wearing a suit come up and he says, Have you heard about the baby bonus? Now I hadn't read a newspaper since they stopped wrapping hot chips in them. And he went on to explain that if, if we had a kid we could get up to five grand. Bricko laughed, knowing this is not what had occurred, and the discussion actually happened after Bricko had noticed a new pamphlet with the words baby bonus written on it. Bricko had put two and two together through the words baby and bonus, and figured it had something to do with money, as there was only a few left in the pamphlet holder. It shouldn't go without mention that Bricko and his mother prided themselves on the fact that he had completed high school and was classed as an educated man, and had even passed a few classes. With this level of education, he was bound for great things, and he would always look for a great way to earn money, and this pamphlet had it all. So I says, you sure the government is going to pay me to root Sheila? And he said, yep. So I says to Sheila, we should go home and get on it. At this point, Sheila jumped in with her version of events. So Dingo says to me, let's have a root when we get home to see if we can get one of those baby bonus things. And I thought, I might be able to get something out of this. 
So I says, I would do it if he brought me a pack of ciggies and a cask of wine. You know, the good stuff, not the cheap stuff. Dingo jumped at the idea. He was thinking that he would be able to buy tons of wine and ciggies with the five grand. So we went home and on the way we stopped at Woolies for our stash. Dingo quickly jumped back in. And then we rode it all night. Rico again agreed the story to Dingo's face, although his mind started reliving the event over and over. Rico recalled that he stayed over at the house because he drank too much to ride home and was in the same room when the event occurred, only separated by a sheet which Dingo had pulled over with a glint of wickedness in his eyes. The so-called route had only taken a moment in time compared to the discussion about the actual route. Rico shivered at the remembrance of the story and although at one point he did find Sheila attractive, after the listening of the rooting that occurred, he wasn't sure he could hold her in that regard ever again. Dingo tried to go to sleep before the event occurred, but the room was greeted with the loud, love-making noises. Daz, you can't stick it in my arse. You can't get pregnant that way. Sorry, Shields. I thought you were a bit tight down there. And you can't come on me tits like you saw on that internet thing. That, that won't get me pregnant either. I was trying to get some of that foreplay stuff I saw on the movie. No, Dingo, just root me. We need to take it seriously if we want it to work. No screwing around and stuff. The grunting that greeted the lack of pleasure filled the room and Brico closed his eyes tighter and tighter only to find he couldn't block it out so he left the room to take another bong hit, hoping the marijuana would mellow out his overactive mind. And then we were so worked out, we both fell asleep with the job completed, Dingo continued, with a baby on its way. Now, Brico wasn't certain, but three months on, he thought Sheila would have been shown by now. Now, with his high school education and all, he was certain that she would be on her way. Dingo danced around, raising his voice at the ways that were going to speed up the baby bonus money, looking at such things like a new Tirana, a pack of ciggies, throwing a party, and best of all, a new plasma TV. Sheila smiled at the thought of last night's antics and that it was only six more months so she could relax at home with a busy schedule of losing job interviews well behind her, watching her new plasma TV. She placed her hand on her belly and stumbled out the door looking up the street for the postie. Today was going to be a good day. She could feel it. She walked around the Holden and Tirana that was parked on the lawn and checked that no one was sleeping in it. She didn't want to be seen as a bad neighbour. Sheila stood on the road watching the postman. He was three doors down. Two doors down, one door down, and now driving toward her. With eager anticipation, she reached out to grab the mail as quickly as she could to go and cash in the cheque. But the postie kept on driving without stopping. Sheila was in shock. It was fucking dull day, she thought. What the fuck was going on? Someone was going to pay. She ought out after the mail and, Oi, cunt, where's my fucking mail? He kept driving, unable to listen due to the helmet he was wearing. So she started chasing him down the street, asking the neighbours if they had her mail. No one did. Someone would pay for this screw-up, and as Sheila didn't have credit left on her phone, it would have to be in person. Those fuckers at Centrelink will pay. This is the last time she thought as she started her long walk toward Centrelink in her Ugg boots. So that's where we leave Sheila for today, on a search for a Dolph Trek. Boganwood is a place of many adventures, and I pity the Centrelink officer that would be dealing with Sheila and her rage issues. See you all back in Boganwood very, very soon. If you can't wait for the Succotash serialized playing of the first season of Boganwood, and you need to just binge listen, you can always Google Boganwood and grab a link, get up to iTunes, however you normally get your podcasts, or you can even click the link on our blog entry for this episode.
Uh, hi, everyone. This is Ethan Detmeyer, the producer of Combat Radio, and you're listening to Succotash, the podcast podcast of podcasts. Comedy podcast. Damn it. All right, here we go. Check, take two. <laughs> the comedy podcast podcast? Okay. Hi, everyone. This is Ethan Detmeyer of Combat Radio. You're listening to Succotash, the comedy podcast of podcasts. Just the comedy podcast podcast. <laughs> Comedy podcast and podcast twice. I'm not doing this on purpose, I, I swear. All right. That's all right, but now, now, that, now, that's right, now I've got I know. Now, now I have three different IDs. Okay, ready? Uh, <laughs> hi, everyone. This is Ethan Detmeyer, producer of Combat Radio, and you're listening to the Epic Succotash Show, the comedy podcast podcast. We've featured some clippage from the Air Raid podcast out of Seattle before with host Aaron Roden. And it's often more hot new music rather than comedy. But Aaron does pull down some nice comedy chatter, including recently when he took his mics to the Sasquatch Music Festival at the Gorge in Washington State. He ran across comedian Mike Berbiglia, who was performing at the festival, and sliced off a little interview with a cell phone cameo appearance by You Made It Weird host Pete Holmes. This dude at the festival is like I have a podcast and uh, we record it with me and I'm like well okay but I don't really know what it is like like who have you had on and he he name checked Mr. Pete Holmes tell him ask him about the dining room the podcast is called Air Raid Air Raid it's called Air Raid out of Seattle <laughs> wait, 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 wait! What did he say? In front of you. Hold no, on. hold on. I'm gonna put you on speaker. Put it, put it on speaker. Hey, Pete. Will you repeat? I, I said, you you do this podcast? Did you really do it? And what did you say? I said yes. Back before I knew how to say no. <laughs> oh, Pete Holmes. Petey. 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 You use the laser. You use the laser. <laughs> sharpshooter, sharpshooter Pete Holmes. I'm my own worst sharpshooter. Petey, I'm gonna go because I'm Petey. I'm gonna go because I'm recording this podcast right now. But it's good to hear from you. I'll call you. In a little, I'll call you in a little bit. Okay. All right. Hey, bye. Hey, bye, asshole. Wait a minute. I can't believe this. All right. <laughs> No, his episode, like, uh, I still get emails on that one. He's great. He's like, a he great was, talker. He was a Pete great Holmes dude. is one of the great talkers of our time. Yeah. And he has a yeah. talk show coming out on TBS. Following I know, it. right? Yeah. I was actually thinking about, like, re-airing that one. You should. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. This will yeah. be a good but reason. No. <laughs> this will, this, you already yeah. have this. So he had a terrible time, apparently. No, 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 no. He's just being a sharpshooter. <laughs> Which he calls me when I go on his podcast. Nice, nice. Yeah. Because I, I lay into him on his podcast. <laughs> so you've been having a pretty good time. I, I uh, recently started following you on Twitter. You seem yes. like you're a music fan. I love music. Yeah. I usually, be honest with you, I don't usually love music festivals because often. Well, they're I, intense. Well, they're intense and like often like the, yeah. the sound quality and stuff is not always the best. Right, right. And uh, but this one is extraordinary, and it's pretty good, right? It's almost yeah. like the the view. You should post this with a photo. Oh yeah, because yeah. it's like the view is so good. The bands don't even have to be that good, <laughs> and it's still pretty fun. But it turns out the bands are incredible. I mean, yeah, this yeah. is like 
I mean, I just we just watched Edward Sharp. You just watched it. Yeah, yeah. I was up there. I was right behind you. I actually took a picture of the back of your head. Yeah, and um, I went out into the house. I went into the crowd. Yeah. Like halfway yeah. through the show uh-huh. to watch it, and during when they did home when they played home, oh, I started crying. I got Chidens are full on crying, but I was choked up. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it was. It's really emotional live. That yeah. song is really emotional. Yeah. Yeah, and and they they perform the hell out of it. Yeah, I mean they I mean they've probably done that a thousand times, or five thousand times. They play it like this is the first time they've ever played it. Yeah, and that's really special. Yeah, yeah, it is. It it truly is. Now you, I just tweeted. Um, wait, hold on. This is what I just tweeted. Um, I took a photo from the audience and I tweeted. Edward Sharp performing for 30,000 people who look like Edward Sharp. <laughs> and then a photo of it. Cause That's it, great. It is what it looks like. You're out there and it you're is. just like, yeah, everybody yeah. looks like him. Yeah, yeah, and, they uh, do. They I know do. his name isn't even Edward Sharp. His name's something else, but... Yeah, it's probably but, like Christian yeah. or something, right? Yeah, Dave. <laughs> Dave. So, Dave, uh, uh, so Dave Stone Street. <laughs> Dave Stone Street. That's a good name. Yeah, yeah. That's I'm a not, solid name. Yeah, right there, I'm, man. I'm coming yeah. up. I'm coming up with the real names of people who have pseudonyms. That's one of my expertise. Right, yeah. yeah. So Elvis Costello spilled a drink on my lap earlier oh, today. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, right. That's like a life story, right that's there. That's when it all. That's when the magic happens. Yeah, yeah. That's totally. When you know things are going well. Yeah. You can find Aaron's show at airraid.net. Uh, that's air-raid.net, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Podcasts have very little geographical limitations to them, as witnessed by this clip from a show out of Olympia, Washington, hosted by comedian Gabriel Rutledge and his wife, stay-at-home mom Christy Rutledge, their Rutledge Radio. Here, Gabriel talks about the misery and false hope of the audition process. What I did live at Gotham on Comedy Central back in nine. Uh, I was really having one of those moments, like after, because I, I went after I taped the set went fine. Mm-hmm. Um, Comedy Central people seemed to be pleased. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like I was in show business. Yes. Even though my next gig was in a yurt in Idaho. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, that's show business too. <laughs> yes, it is. It's more the carnival variety. But so I was. I mean, I was having a moment. Like a total New York moment, mm-hmm. this great fucking thing where it's like, yeah, I just did Comedy Central. Things are obviously things are going to start happening for me <laughs> that's, now. That's right. <laughs> obviously, they're going to book me for a half hour because I just dazzled them with my five minutes. Right. Probably an hour special after that. <laughs> I wonder which manager I should get. You know, <laughs> all yes. these things are going through my head. Also, I'm a little buzzed. Uh, cause you know, the beers are only like $9 there. So you really got to watch yourself. <laughs> so, but anyway, so I'm at this after party, right? Mm-hmm. And I know you know this, but mm-hmm. I was at this after party. Everyone's like very nice to me. Uh, heads of programming and shit are like saying, mm-hmm. oh, you were great, blah, blah, blah. And then I get a text mm-hmm. from someone from HBO who I had met like two years earlier at the HBO comedy festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I can say her name's Rachel. In my phone, it just said Rachel HBO mm-hmm. because I had met her there, and I had her phone number. So, so I'm having this great Comedy Central schmoozing moment in New York. I get a text mm-hmm. from Rachel HBO. That's what I have her in my phone, and it says, "Where are you?" 
everyone's talking about you. Wow. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I didn't even know she was here. Okay, now it's a battle. Is Comedy Central going to put on my hour special or is it HBO? <laughs> Because you know what? I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. It's probably up to my new manager I haven't picked yet. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, so I'm like, so HBO person's here. She saw my set. It went so well. People are talking about me. <laughs> this could not get better. Another round. Just one beer, actually. Just one. Can I get a round for me for half a Bud Light? Is that possible? Uh <laughs> So, so, and then, so I text back, where are you? Because I thought she was in the bar at the after party. Yeah. Eight long minutes later, text back to me. Oops, that wasn't supposed to go to you. (laughs) (laughs) My dreams. My dreams. What did you plan in those eight minutes? Oh, what I was going to open the HBO special with? Because I was was kind (laughs) of drunk, too. So I'm just like... What is happening? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I'll never have to do Laughlin again. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> and then it was just like it was still a great night, but it was like it went from like just for a second. It was like I can't believe this is happening, and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have believed. <laughs> and then two weeks ago, I get a call from uh, Nickelodeon. Oh, right. Because if you're a comedian and you get a phone call with the L.A. or that's from L.A. or New York and you don't know what it is, you're like, I've got to be fucking great. And it's usually Wells Fargo telling me I owe money on the credit card, but whatever. Uh, And so they call and they're like, hey, this is so-and-so from uh, Nickelodeon. I'm like, hello? Yes, I am available for season two of Nick Mom Night Out. Sure, I could host this time. Uh, You know, all these positive things are going through my head and the and then he's like, he's like, is this, um, I can't even remember the name. It was a woman's name. Sandy. He's like, is this, uh, Sandy Vallejo? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is Gabriel Rutledge. You, you're not, Sandy Vallejo's not there. And I'm like, no. And he's like, Gabriel Rutledge. He's like, are you a comedian? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, I must have got the numbers fucked up. And then he just hangs up. I'm like, Sir. <laughs> he might not have said fucked up, actually. But- but it was – I didn't I didn't have that much excitement. But still, like, when you get a wrong number from show business, you're like, what the fuck? But I could do it too. <laughs> I don't know who this Sandy Vallejo is, but I got more jokes, man. <laughs> you can access more Gabe and Christy from RutledgeRadio.com, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we've missed a few weeks' worth of Will Durst, so I've mashed up three – bursts of durst in one and you're going to hear him talking about the nsa immigration and rainbow babies here we go hey guys will durst here with a few choice words on the revelation that the national security agency is monitoring pretty much everything we say all the time and to be perfectly honest anybody who didn't already suspect this kind of snooping was going on is not to be trusted with knives in the kitchen without the protection of a fencing mask Privacy is so 20th century. Unfortunately, while testifying in front of Congress, the NSA insisted that no, they aren't collecting data on Americans, when what they really meant to say is yes, they are collecting data on Americans. Confused by the question is all. Spokesman James Clapper claims he gave the least untruthful answer possible. 
Just a twist of fate that the least untruthful answer is identical to a bald-faced lie. Then again, even Congress knows that getting a straight answer from these guys is harder than bending a wire coat hanger into a number representing pi to the sixth digit with your teeth. See, the problem is nobody knows who the enemy is anymore. For all our government knows, it could be you or me. Mostly you. Narrowing suspicion is too time-consuming. Much easier to wiretap the entire nation than trying to pick out one or two of us. And what's more democratic than spying on everybody? The process is called data mining, and we, the soft quarry, are producing up to a billion records a day, which is real similar to pulverizing Everest than sifting through the rubble for the blue pebble. They say we have no reason to worry, because even though they're monitoring everything, nobody's actually listening to it. They just like to collect stuff. So this whole thing is just an extra-long government-subsidized episode of hoarders. Besides, the Constitution only safeguards us from unreasonable searches. Considering today's technology, that only protects the dead. The Immigration Bill is now slogging through the Senate on a pace rivaling a snail nailed to a two-by-four with a railroad spike, taking so long because the Senate has to vote on every proposed amendment. And there are hundreds. No, seriously, hundreds. Jeff Sessions of Alabama offered up 49, but he's a piker compared to Iowa's Chuck Grassley with 77 amendments. And this past Wednesday, the Senate managed to vote on... Four, to say it's going to take a while is like intimating that surgical decapitation tends to inhibit throwing a blistering sinker on the inside of the plate to a left-handed batter. Some amendments deal with border security, some with entitlements, and other with stripping responsibility from homeland security. One involves the library system. But a few blatantly obvious issues have been totally ignored. So as a public service, we here at Dersco are offering up fixes to issues that need to be addressed. Number one, before being accepted as a naturalized citizen, applicants must give up all rights to consort with a Kardashian. Number two, anybody wanting to be an American has to stop referring to soccer as football. Number three, of course we welcome diversity, but weird foreign desserts must be given American names so we know what we're getting into. Number four, Prospective citizens must pledge to name every fourth child after a president or first lady. Number five, when swimming, men are prohibited from wearing those skimpy Speedo bathing suits that make them look like they're smuggling plums, for crumb's sake. Women are exempt from this rule. Number six, prospective U.S. citizens must choose Marianne or Ginger. Number seven, Americans shake hands. We don't air kiss. Women are exempt from this rule. Number eight, the correct answer to how many liters in a gallon is who cares. And congratulations, welcome to America, where Budweiser is no longer an import. A few choice laudatory words to all our friends in the LGBT community for finally being upgraded to equal human status. Congratulations, you have survived. You must be so over the rainbow, it's having babies. Cakes are being baked and balloons blown in your honor. All around the country, it's raining men and women. 
Sorry I had to wait so long. Maybe this time it'll stick. See, the deal is a lot of bitter old people had to die first. You know, folks that went to their last dance believing professional wrestling is legitimate. But that's all wet towels on the floor of the shower of the YMCA now because you're within a hair's breadth of becoming intimate with the blessed institution of marriage. And quite a few of you have shown interest in voluntarily committing yourself to that institution. Good luck, but be careful what you ask for. Don't want to rain on your parade, but you should know about the wild and wacky world of unintended consequences. As beautiful and sacred as the beginning of a marriage can be, that's how ugly and grotesque the ending of one can get. You are in imminent danger of experiencing direct contact with lawyers. Expect many remakes of that 1934 Ginger Rogers Fred Astaire classic, The Gay Divorcee. The bad news is 50% of all marriages end in divorce. The good news is the other 50% end in death. And don't forget that old adage that the reason divorces are so expensive is because they're worth it. But right now, relax. You're too sexy for all that. Take a walk on the wild side because you're coming out to the Copacabana to be a dancing queen. Just wake me up before you go-go. For Suckatash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst. Thank you, Will Durst. There's always more where that came from at willdurst.com. You can also read his tweets at Will Durst on Twitter, and that's W-I-L-L-D-U-R-S-T. That's going to do it for Action Packed Epi 62. More Boganwood next time, more Burst O'Durst next time, more Henderson's Pants next time, and of course, a lot more clips from comedy podcasts around the universe. Until next time, however, won't you please pass the Succotash? You've been listening to Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants. And imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com, on iTunes, or on Stitcher Smart Radio. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show, email us at marc at SuckatashShow.com, or call into the Suckatash hotline at our toll call number, 818-921-7212. That number again is 818-921-7212. Suckatash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Suckatash. Goodbye. Today I'm cooking uh, corn succotash using American corn grown in India uh, with uh, caramelized broccoli and paneer. Well, first off, we'll start by uh, caramelizing our broccoli. So I start everything, of course, with salt and pepper and grapeseed oil. Not too much, just enough to coat. So I'll, I'll take my broccoli, which I've sliced vertically. Give you nice big, big pieces of broccoli here. Now I'm noticing that the pan is not extremely hot, John. No, absolutely not. To give it an even browning, I apply a little bit of weight. Using another pan, I place over the top. That's a great technique. And then we just let it do its, uh, do its thing. It takes a few minutes on each side. Uh, we're not in any rush, and we don't use high heat. Uh, we want to maintain the integrity of the ingredients. Absolutely. So we'll let it take its time. You notice the, the florets are still nice and green, even though you do get a nice brown color, which enhances the flavor. Next, I'll make a sauce out of the corn. It's actually juiced corn. 
put it through in a juicer, put it in a saucepan. So we move this constantly and it takes about, you know, five to nine minutes depending, right John? Right. And, and this is what it looks like when it's finished. And this is just 100% corn juice, right John? Exactly. And the starch grabs a hold of the liquid and uh, binds the sauce. What's next, Dr. John? Okay, the other ingredient is paneer. This is paneer. And now what do we do with this, John? This will toss in corn flour uh, and we'll fry it in very low heat till it's nice and crispy on the outside, soft in the middle. Here's our fryer. 300 degrees Fahrenheit. We're using safflower oil to fry the paneer. Here's the final product after we fry it. We're ready to add the vegetables. Fresh fava beans. Gorgeous. Now these were pre-cooked, right John? Pre-cooked and peeled. There's a skin that, that you have to remove. So now you're adding peas, carrots, and asparagus. Excellent. Look how gorgeous that is. Season it lightly with salt and pepper. Fresh herbs. Just chopped parsley. Oh yeah, nice clean flavor. Sprightliness, right? Exactly. Look at that, huh? Now look, look at the sauce, it's gorgeous. 100% pure corn juice, heated gently until it thickened. I'll start by arranging the paneer and the broccoli. We like to get a nice high three-dimensional presentation. Okay. Look how beautiful that broccoli is. Then I garnish it with a corn muffin. We made with the corn pulp. It was the byproduct of making the corn juice. Waste nothing, waste not, want not. Just like that. That's beautiful. There we have it, paneer. Caramelized broccoli, sweet corn succotash. Nice and pure. Pure and simple indeed.